This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome into the Wednesday Bible Study. We are excited uh, that you are here today as we continue this walk through the book of Genesis, uh, of course, this uh, this Wednesday Bible study that's been around for eight years now. Uh, you know, it uh, it started out as just some guys getting together at uh, at the local church, and uh, you know, still that's at the at the heart of what we're doing here in, in Birmingham, Alabama, where it originates from. Uh, but uh, it also was the beginning of the discipleship strategy that now, uh, as of uh, 2020, March one. Uh, became themanchurch.com and, and continues. This is a complete men's discipleship strategy that features uh, moments like this where we all get together in a small group setting. Uh, and We thank all of you for joining us on YouTube or listening to an archive on our podcast channel. You are certainly welcome to this gathering every week. We love having you here. Uh, and then um, uh, we, we have these times that we get together and and we have services that are designed for men where we have high challenge and, and we have speakers and teachers who challenge uh, us. And then we go into the uh, leaving the challenge. We go into the equipping and, and that's uh, doing uh, curriculum. That's kind of what we're doing here, walking through this. But if you are you know joining us and you're like, man, I'd like to have that for my church or my community group. Uh, you can have uh, you know turnkey curriculum, uh, forty weeks worth. We have three different ones: one called the Pursuit of Christ-Centered Masculinity, the second one called Real Men of the Bible, and our third one that just came out called Be Disciples. Those are available to you. I teach twelve to fifteen minutes via video, and then you, with your facilitator, go through a study uh, guide that we provide for you as well. We also have individual resources for you. Uh, we have we have uh, student versions of some of our devotionals where you, a dad, can walk through a, a 40-day devotional with your son. So all this is available at, at themanchurch.com if we can help you in any way. And our new app is coming very soon. i got an update on that. We are we are days away from it being operational and ready to go, but I'm, I'm going to wait and tell you about that when it's actually available. So we talked about the curriculum. Now, as far as the man church services, I get this all the time from this Bible study. Where is the man church going on? We're trying to compile a whole list, but one of the best ways you can do it is to just go to upcoming events and find out where there is a man church. If there's a man church, uh, they're doing uh, part of the strategy, strategy, if not all of it. And some places you can go this week, and there's a lot of them. Uh, you can go Thursday night, the 21st of April this week. Uh, Andy Blanks, who is part of Team Man Church, he he oversees the writing of our uh, resources and our study guides. He'll he's a great teacher. He'll be speaking at my home church, Valleydale Church. Uh, also, there he is. Tom's right here in our Wednesday uh, group of men. Tom Haney will be talking about what participating in uh, this curriculum and this strategy has meant to him. Uh, so he'll be speaking uh, also, giving a little testimony on Thursday night, April 21st. All you have to do is just come, 6.30 local time. We start Friday night. Hello to Avon, Indiana, or there around Indianapolis uh, at Harmony Baptist Church. Brian Gunn will be doing a man church there. They're heading into year two of the discipleship strategy. He'll be speaking at their man church there, Harmony Baptist Church, Avon, Indiana. Then on uh, Saturday this week, the 23rd, we got three different markets, three different speakers going out. I'll be in Gordo, Alabama at, uh, at Highland Baptist Church. Uh, Satsuma, First Baptist Church, Alabama. Helmsy will be there. And Crossroads uh, Church uh, in Warrior, Alabama, Scott Dawson 
will be there. If any of those are anywhere around you, just go to themanchurch.com and make plans to join us in some of those markets or multiple markets coming up this week. If you want to look to the future, uh, just go to themanchurch.com under events. If they've been booked and they've been solidified, you can find them there. So let's uh, let's open up in a word of prayer, and we'll jump right in today. If you want to go ahead and turn there, we're in Genesis 16. Uh, Lord, thank you for today. Boy, today, do we learn a lesson. Uh, when, when, you, when you lay out a plan and we decide that we're tired of waiting on you and we decide to come up with our own plan, bad things happen. And, um, Lord, today I pray that we'll learn uh, from this, uh, this moment in history uh, that we're still paying the price for this decision right now, and we'll talk about that. Uh, so help us to learn from this so we apply it to our lives. And, and Lord, I pray for those that are seeking you today, they find you. Uh, in your holy name we pray, amen. And, and I will tell you, too, also on BurgessMinistries.com, Sherry is back out on the last stop on the uh, Youth Pastors Summit Tour with SLU. Uh, they're in Nashville this coming Monday and Tuesday, uh, the 25th and the 26th, and Sherry will speak on the 26th in Nashville. You can find those details at BurgessMinistries.com under events. So let's look at Genesis 16. Uh, it is, uh, it's a big moment uh, in, in world history. Now, we know that, uh, that Abraham, uh, uh, now be, still being called Abram, and his wife, Sarah, who will be Sarah, we know that they have been told uh, that God is fully aware uh, that, that Sarah is barren. That does not surprise them. He is aware of that. Uh, and he's continued to tell this couple that he will produce for them an heir. It will be, it's a covenant that he has made. And, of course, we know that um, uh, the, the descendants from this covenant, uh, he's already shown Abram, that they'll look at the dust, you know, that'll be your descendants, and look to the stars, that'll be your descendants. He has assured Abram over and over and over that this is going to happen. And we come to chapter 16, uh, and I was looking at some of the commentaries that I've been reading, some of these great theologians. I thought the, the title that I, I found in one of them uh, was the one that probably uh, appealed to me the most. And if I was going to title this study today, I would title it, Beware of Detours. Beware of detours. Uh, if God has said this is the way we're going, be real careful if you decide you're going to have your own detour. Uh, it, it always matters, and we'll unpack that in great detail today. Uh, the detour is always worse than the main road. That's from the great Vance Havner. I don't know if you've ever read Vance. Vance has got some great quotes, outstanding preacher and pastor. So think about what he's saying. because you got members of your family like this? I do. My family, my brother's one of the worst. He thinks if we can take some kind of detour and get on some country road that we're making time, and I've told him a thousand times if we just stayed on the interstate, uh, we could have gone much faster and we would have gotten there. But he thinks we're making time because we've taken some detour. Uh, Vance Havner says, look, many times the detour is always worse if you just stayed on the main road. Have you ever taken a detour and regretted it? All of a sudden you hit that first pothole and you're like, what in the world? Has anybody even been on this road? And uh, where are we going? So the detour not only brings conflict uh, to the home, but it also brings it to the world in this one today. You realize this big decision? What do we what have we been saying in this Bible study for eight years? Sin always matters. Sin always matters. Praise God for for his redemption, but but th- that that's for our eternity, and I'm thankful for that. But boy, here on earth, sin always matters. Uh, and uh, and so we're gonna find that out in a very, very big way. Uh, because uh, when we get here. Abraham is now 84 years old. 
Um, and, uh, and, and, and we know that, that, that they keep wondering where this baby is coming from. And look what it says in verse 1 of chapter 16. Now, Sari, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Now, does anybody remember when you were in here, and most of you have, are so, so, and I appreciate it, you are very, very loyal to this Wednesday meeting. Even if you're not here, you watch it. So you remember in 12 when Abram panicked about the famine and he went down to Egypt and he wasn't supposed to go there? And you remember when, when he pretended that Sari wasn't his wife and you know the, the prince comes out and, and the king comes out and says, hey, you got me in a lot of trouble with God and I need you to go. And by the way, take here, take this. And they gave him a maidservant for Sari. Remember that? Remember me saying, pay attention to her uh, because look right here. So Abram's wife had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian, underline that, Egyptian servant. Guess where that came from? Chapter 12. Uh, that's, that's when uh, Abram had already gone somewhere he shouldn't have gone, uh, whose name was Hagar, uh, verse 2. And Sarah said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Now let's, let's land there for just a minute. So what, what we're finding here is that that the faith is being tested again of Abram and Sari by God. Uh, you know, Hebrews 6, 12, I'm paraphrasing, uh, but, but it, in, the, the writer of Hebrews says this, don't be sluggish when you're waiting on the Lord. And the writer of Hebrews says faith and patience, those two things, if you are faithful and you are patient, those people that practice this inherit the promises of God. So what we're finding here is that Sari is, is, is done with being patient, and now she's going to leave being faithful, and she is now going to talk to her husband. Tell me if this sounds familiar, by the way. She's now going to talk to her husband about a new plan. I'm done with God's plan. And who is she saying is preventing her from having a child? God. She's not taking any responsibility on herself. She's certainly not uh, taking responsibility of, I'm excited about God's plan. Uh, she's saying, look, the Lord is preventing me. He's preventing this from happening. Did the Lord tell Abraham that he was going to prevent this from happening? No, he says it's going to happen, right? So this is going to sound an awful lot like the Garden of Eden today. I mean, an awful lot like it. Once again, we're going to see um, a wife who needs her husband to step in and say, God has said this is what we do and this is what we don't do and this is what we're going to do. That this is, this is back to that spiritual leadership that's been placed on every man. And if you just want to see practically how it works, one of the things which I think, speaking, from, hey, I'm, he, I'm, I'm here. This is not, I don't, I'm not sitting here telling you that I don't know why it's so difficult for, for husbands. No, I know why it's difficult. It's extremely difficult. This this spiritual leadership thing is 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 a barrel of laughs until it gets difficult, and when you have to, you know, it's it's all going great when you and your wife are making decisions together and everybody's on the same page. And man, it's, it's it just really runs so smooth. And look at me leading spiritually, but when the rubber meets the road, is when you get to that hopefully very rare occasion where you and the wife are not on the same page, and somebody's got to make a decision. Look, let's just be honest. Most men, I remember, I'm thinking this through. I remember getting myself in a lot of trouble one time 
for telling the truth. And 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 I should have done it differently and better, but 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 it was the truth. Uh, we were my wife and I were disagreeing on something, and she made the statement that um, that um, that she didn't understand why I've had a, a problem with this because it was obvious that our sons didn't have any problem with it at all. It was something to do with the family. And I and she says they they uh they 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 agree with me, and I said no they're appeasing you that's different. Appeasing you and agreeing with you that's two completely different things. Now, I wish I could have reeled that back in when it when it when it came out, uh, but 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 I think that but there was a lot of honesty there, and and, and it and it cost me, it cost me. Uh, it's, if you're gonna do that, please don't do it on the beach trip, okay? But. <laughs> But 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 I had to I had to reel that back in. But but I I was being honest. There is a difference in the two, and many times, a man would rather appease his wife as opposed to do what's right. And I'm just as guilty as anybody. But 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 we do struggle with that because right here this is a biggie. Uh, and but you, you but you got to think this through. This next statement from Sari, I think all of us. Can 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 think to ourselves, if my wife is telling me to lie with another woman, there's no way this is not going to come back and haunt me. That, I mean, there's there's no way this is going to go well. No matter how much she says she's okay with it, she's going to take it back, and 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 that's and that's exactly what happens. And plus, we shouldn't do that because it's not right. Now, I will I will tell you, it's not as as black and white as what I'm saying in our culture. Because this this actually was pretty common in this culture, but God did not say this is how I'm gonna do it, okay? And, and so the the things that that's happening right now is they they are in the why is God waiting so long? Well, one reason that God is waiting a long time, He's already said why He's waiting for one thing. What is that? Because this isn't gonna be just any baby. I mean, there's a covenant involved with this son. That is a really, really big deal. That ultimately will be traced all the way to our redemption. Okay, so this is not just any baby. Plus, he wanted what I said this last week. He wanted the birth to be completely his work. He wants them to get so old that when he produces this baby, nobody can say, "Well, now this may just happen on its own." So what what Sarah realizes though at eighty four. That Abraham, without God's help, and I, I know that God's involved in in in, in all of the, uh, you know, uh, conceptions, even those that we don't think. Well, what's he doing in the middle of that? There are no babies that are surprises, okay? But what I mean by that, biologically, which we know God created at eighty four, Abraham can still get the job done, biologically. Now, Sarah can't, okay, because that's already been established. So what she knows is that biologically. Hagar can produce for her son with Abraham, which in that culture, it was not uncommon that uh, if uh, your wife's uh, maidservant would produce children for the family, now they wouldn't be hers. They'd have to give the baby to her, her, the woman that she was the servant of, and it became that family's baby. But it was not uncommon for this surrogate situation to take place. So don't It'd be a little different than somebody saying this in your house. But we still know it's wrong here. Why? No matter what the culture says, because what God has said is, I'm going to produce the baby 
in Abraham and in Sarah. I'm not doing it through Hagar. And so, and, and you'll see in a minute, no matter how they try to make this work, God over and over again in this chapter says, I, I do not approve of that. I will not call Hagar wife. I'm not going to do that. No matter what little ceremony y'all did, I don't recognize that. And, and we'll get to that. So, uh, so anyway, so Sari thinks, well, I've got the solution. I'll just go take this uh, servant that we got when we were down, in, down near the Nile and the Egyptians gave to me. And, uh, and so this is what she's going to do. She's blaming God for her situation. She's lost faith. She's self-centered. She wants a baby uh, for herself to build a family. And if a slave girl bearing the child uh, for her uh, w- w- was fine, it was not considered illegitimate in that culture. So, uh, you know, the culture says this is okay. I can do with her what I want. She belongs to me. I can't produce a baby. This is how it goes in our culture. So I'm going to the plan that, that, that we came up with, and I'm going to have a child, and she's going to produce it for me, and my husband will still be the father, and that's what we're going to do. Now, keep in mind, here's what she says to her husband. Uh, and, and, you know, we understand this is not as crazy in this culture as it would seem to us now. Uh, but it's still wrong because it's not what God said to do. She says, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children, blaming God, putting her at the center of everything. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. So who's she saying is going to obtain children? She is. I want a baby. So you take this girl and y'all go do what, what, what men and women do to produce babies. She's not bearing like I am. And then I want, that's how I'm going to obtain, obtain the child. Now, is that how God says she's going to obtain it? No. That's how she says she's going to obtain it. Now, right here, just like in the Garden of Eden, right here we have a moment for Abraham to say, we're not going to do that. Right? We're not doing that. I love you. I know you're upset. I know you're tired of waiting. He can be kind about it. He doesn't have to be hard about it. And he's just going to say, but what you propose, even though that is done in our culture, even though the child will not be considered illegitimate by the culture and, 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 our, and our rules, God said you were going to have the baby in your womb, even though it's barren. He can do it. He just hasn't done it yet, but he's going to. We will not veer from God's plan. Now, he would have had a tough day, okay? He probably would have got the silent treatment. He probably wouldn't have been spoken to for a while. But see, that's better. It's better for your wife to be upset with you than for God to be upset with you. And I know some of us, Rick included, I go, eh. But but God don't have to live with her, you know. And and and, and but 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 so but but it is true because if we truly love our wives, we will love them enough to tell them no. We're going to do what God said to do because we know that's what's best for her. And, and a lot of times, husbands and fathers, we're more than willing to do that to our children, but we won't do it for our wife. I mean, we, we, we give that speech to our children like that, but we won't do it for our wives. And, uh, and, and, th- and it's big when we don't do that. They, they need us to do that. They, we have been given to them just like they've been given to us, equal but not the same. And so listen to this line. This is a really, really bad line right here. And Abraham, this is I'm still I'm still in verse two, um, verse two B, and Abram 
listen to the voice of Sari. So you don't see that Sari listened to the voice of Abram. You see that Abram listened to the voice of Sari. You don't see Abram listened to the voice of the Lord. You don't see that. Abram listened to the voice of Sari, and when his wife proposes sin to them, proposes detouring from God's plan, proposes you lay with another woman, he says, all right, I'm in. If that's what you want, if you want me to take another wife and you want me to have sex with her, I guess that's what I'll do. We'll go ahead and get that baby you want. Where was the moment when he says, now God said he's going to give you a baby. It's it's, going to happen. This is showing a lack of faith, isn't it? Or maybe it's just showing the depravity of, of men when they let their flesh run things. So anyway, and we appease a wife as opposed to serving a wife. Serving our wives we're called to do. Appeasing them we're not. Speaking from a man who has appeased his wife many times as opposed to serving her, I certainly have messed this up like anybody. But that doesn't mean we just keep on doing it. Okay? Yeah, we can't get to that point. Go, well, everybody messes this up, so let's just all keep messing it up. No, maybe we should adjust and stop doing that. And I'm talking to me as much as I'm talking to you. So um, if we truly love them, that, that kind of love's hard, though, isn't it? But it's really love. Verse 3, So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sari, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. So underline that. So see, they're trying to do a little ceremony here where they're going to say that, uh, that she's going to be your wife, so I'm not, I'm not really giving you a mistress. Uh, I want you to make her a second wife. Again, which was in, in the culture, um, the, uh, the, this, this, this was done. By the way, the, the, the phrase here in Hebrew where it says that Abram listened to his wife, did you know that's exactly the same Hebrew phrase that's used in Genesis in, in chapter, two, um, chapter 3 in the fall when it says that Adam listened to his wife and he took the fruit and he ate some? It's the exact same phrase. So, so it's happened again. So Sarah's worked her plan. Uh, she she's doubting God, um, and I think what may be happening here. I read some of the commentaries. I mean, we know that what Sarah's doing is wrong, but but you have to start thinking about what was some of her mindset. We know that she was tired of waiting. We knew that she said this is one way, but you know this is the thing we have to be careful of because I've been there, where you know that God has said something extremely clear. Uh, let's go back to sexual purity. God has clearly said that we are not to lie with any woman that is not our wife. And if we haven't been married yet, then we have not been intimate with a woman yet. And we are to be intimate with our wife and our wife alone, no one else. But then what what do we do? Well, now, this girl I'm dating now, I I love her, and she's probably going to be my wife anyway. I mean, you you don't quite say that God's wrong, but you say, but he might allow some room here because I'm basically going to do what he said because I'm sure that I'm going to probably end up with this woman anyway. She's probably the only woman I'm ever going to lay with anyway, and so I'll go ahead and be intimate with her as my girlfriend, and then I'll probably ask her to marry me because I love her, and it's probably who I'm going to end up with anyway. Of course, that rarely ever happens, and 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 there's probably just a, 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 just a pile of people 
that are that are laying there with their sexual purity compromised who work that plan, and they never ended up married to the person. But first of all, if you just say, well, she's not my wife yet, then, it, then it's a no-go. But Sarah could have said, and I, and I bought in, and, and I listened to this, and I thought, this is possible. She may have been thinking God promised that Abraham would be the father, but did he really say I would be the mother? Maybe this is how God's going to do it. But no, God had been clear when he said that Sarah, even though she's barren, will produce the offspring. But you could see where she's going, well, I'm getting, I'm getting it kind of right. I mean, Abraham's still going to be the father of, this, of, the, of this, this child. And if it's a son, I mean, Abraham is the, the biological dad, and I'll be the really legally official mom. I just won't birth this child. And is it true that, I mean, Sherry has, has stepchildren, that she's been a fantastic mother too, and, and, and she has been put in the position of their mother, and there's people who adopt children, and, and you're no less a mother. But that's not what God said he was going to do, though. That's the key. That's not what God said he was going to do. He certainly did not call for this plan. And, and, and this is dangerous because what's happening here, this is big. Here comes a write-down. Are you all ready? I've done it. Write this down. Sarah is putting her desires ahead of God's glory. We don't put our desires ahead of God's glory. It's my desire. It's what I want, and I want to do what I want, but we don't do that at the expense of the glory of God because God said, this is my plan, and you're saying you're going to work your plan. Yeah, but I don't like your plan. I like mine better. This is what I want to do. But God's saying, but that's not what I said I'm going to do. Well, I don't really want to do it the way you're doing it. I've been sitting around waiting on the baby, and I don't have one yet. I don't like this waiting. I'm getting really old. And so I, my desire is I want the baby now, no matter how I have to get it. Our desires ahead of God's glory. So let's look at uh, verse 4. And behold, the um, um, and let's three first. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring. I'm, I'm over in 15, I'm sorry. Verse 4. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Now, this, this word mistress here, it's not the way we, we talk about mistress. Uh, th- this is... Um, uh, this is this is she's talking about Sarah right here, and um, she's not talking about something that is uh, out of line. So remember, they've come up with this way for Hagar to be a wife now. Then she and Sarah said to Abram, "Look at five. I told you. Remember this. Remember what I said. If your wife tells you to lay with another woman, she's gonna take it back. Okay. So look at five. And Sarah said to Abram, "May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant." To, to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. That went bad quick. So don't you know that Abram, have you ever said this before? But I thought this is what you wanted. You're the one that brought her in here to me and told me this is what we are going to do. See, now it's all gone bad. And Why? Because Hagar accomplished something 
very quick, apparently, that Sarah had been yearning for for years and years and years. And Hagar looked at her like, well, guess who got pregnant with no problem? So it ain't your husband. It's you. And Sarah is embarrassed, and she's hurt. And even though she tried to make Abram his wife, which was perfectly legal in that society, God never saw Hagar as Abraham's wife. You'll see this as we get deeper into the chapter. You'll see that confirmed. So keep in mind, when this reaction has taken place, what has happened here? And this is another write-down coming up. Uh, you remember we went through our study of, of Romans 14. If you have a have your Bible real quick or something with your Bible on it, go, go over to Romans 14. And we'll pick up at the uh, the end of the conversation. Kind of, we'll kind of get to fourteen, verse twenty three, b, the last part of it, um, in Romans, and that's it's almost at the end of chapter fourteen. And and here's here's what it says, uh, fourteen twenty three. Look at this right here, and it's talking about the using this analogy about eating and 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 faith. But look at the last line of the in chapter of fourteen, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So what's happened? These two, Abram and Sarah, they have abandoned faith. They've abandoned it. And whatever is not faith is sin. God had a better plan than what they were coming up with. So they didn't have faith in that. So they are now committing sin by saying, we think the plan we have is better than the one you have because the one you're doing is not working. We don't have a baby yet. So we're going to come in and we're going to tell you how to do it. So Abraham and Sarah, or Abram and Sarah, they are working their own plan. You ever been there? You ever worked your own plan? And not God's plan? Mm, boy, I have. And when I see the disaster of it all, you go back to God and you can almost just see him as our father going, that wasn't my plan. I remember a funny statement that, uh, that Hootie Ingram made. He was a former offensive coordinator with uh, Paul Bear Bryant. <laughs> it was a great statement. You know, Paul Bear Bryant, toward the end of his coaching career, was starting to go through dementia as well. And they talked about the guy, people were there. They said, you know, we would be in a game, and all of a sudden he would call a play that we hadn't run in 10 years. This is a great statement. And so uh, my dad was talking to Hootie Ingram about that, and he said, well, what did y'all do? He said, heck, we tried to run it. <laughs> I mean, you know, so, so, so what it was is, you know, when we start trying to come up with, with our plan, or w- this is our strategy, but it's not – a strategy that has come through the filter of faith in God and his glory, and, and it, it's not what he's called us to or the way he said to do it, it always goes bad. I mean, I, I, had to, I had to have an uncomfortable conversation with someone just this week that's struggling, you know, with the fact that, um, 
there's a child that was out of wedlock, and and then of course he's got his life together, and he's he's gotten remarried, and and uh, and the woman that he's remarried to, you know, of course acted like that wouldn't bother her, but of course he says he just continues to bother her, and uh, and he just said, you know, I'm coming to you to just, I mean, what do I need to do? And you know, certainly you see that you know she is agreeing to something that she's now going back on. You know, she you needed to make sure she was all. That's all separate. But I said, but I want to tell you something that you're not going to like from somebody who knows. I said, if you are truly repentant of what happened, not doing this the way God said to, and you're trying to do your best for your kid, and you're trying so hard to set up a family even after the the mistake, and God is gracious and he'll forgive that, and I pray that this all works out. But one thing I want you to take away from it, and I don't mean this to be mean, and I say this to my own life. I said, from a man who tried to do the family my way versus the way God said it, even all these years of holy matrimony and a wonderful marriage, and I said, and I hope that you your marriage will, will survive this. It should if you're both under the authority of God. But I'm just going to tell you, when we don't do things the way God said to do them, there'll always be a problem. It'll never be the way it could have been. And this is the same thing here. You're going to see God still work his plan. But this decision with Hagar, it is still causing problems today as we all sit in this Bible study. It's still causing problems because it wasn't God's plan. And and what we have is anytime we work our own plan, it is... uh, it is always problematic. Listen to what George McDonald said, and this is so true. And whatever man does without God, he must fail miserably. Listen, or worse, succeed even more miserably. Sometimes we, we work our plan and it doesn't fail, and that's even worse. We succeed at our own plan which is even more miserable than just failing at it. Meaning we actually implement the plan and we work it. And it succeeds incorrectly. It's important that we remember what God said. So now that Hagar has basically said in your face to Sari, I did something you couldn't do. Now we got problems And um, you know what happens next? We see Abram not stand up again. He should have stepped in right here, and he should have said, whoa, whoa. Hagar in our society has now been acknowledged as as my second wife. She is pregnant with my heir, which is going to be, Sari, your son, our daughter. Okay, and if it's a son, it'll be my heir. And this is the plan we said, you need to quit blaming her for something that we put her in. We, we, we drug her into this. And I'll talk to her about the way she's treating you, and I won't let that go on. She needs to continue to respect you. By the way, what, what Hagar's doing right here, she can get in a lot of trouble for her in this society. And Abram should have come in and said, she's not going to be arrogant to you. She's not going to give you a hard time about it. I'm going to solve that. But we still have to treat her as part of this family because that's the plan that you and you and I decided to work. But he doesn't. Look what he says. But Abram, just wanting, hey, just not wanting to be at odds with his wife, says, 
He wants to appease her. Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Is that the correct answer from the leader of the house? No. He's basically telling his wife, well, look, I mean, if you're mad at her, do what you want to do with her. Just don't be mad at me. As long as, if that's what you want to do, then just do to her whatever you want to. That is not what, what Abram should have said here. He doesn't stand up to Sari twice now. He just says, you do with Hagar whatever you want to. So what happens next? Then Sari dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. Now things really, really get interesting starting in verse 7. So the mess has been made. So what's God going to do about it? That's kind of a, if, if we were a movie right now, when we come back, what will God do? Well, we, we see here. So first of all, we've told you this, and you don't have to agree with this. Not, not all commentaries do. Most of the theologians that, that I think kind of hold their own do believe that when we see this term in verse 7, it's going to be the first time in the Bible we see it, by the way, but we'll see it a lot after this, the angel of the Lord. Uh, most theologians believe this is the pre-incarnate Jesus from the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, if you just see an angel or whatever, but the angel of the Lord uh, is an indication that this is Jesus. Found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. The spring was on the way to shore. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sari, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sari. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that you they cannot be numbered for multitude. All right, now before we get to what the, the full speech, James talks about these battles that we have, and we're seeing this with Abraham. We're seeing this with Sari. We're seeing this with Hagar. You know, it was the chapter of the Bible that God used to change my life, and, and you can read this in James 4, 1 through 10. But, but here's the, let me summarize it, James 4, 1 through 10. It says, We as human beings, we battle among ourselves, and when we battle with ourselves, it's caused by, by, by one or all three of these things. You see, you see in, in James 4, 4, he says, One of the things we struggle with is just the world, our flesh. We, 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 want to, we want to be under the authority of the, of the world because in 4, he's, uh, 7 and 8, he says, you know, that we submit ourselves then to God. So, but in, in James 4, 4, he says, one of the reasons we find ourselves in these situations is we're just too worldly. We, we're still too much like the world. We're, we're blaming all kinds of things on why we're acting this way when really it's just our own sinful desires. That's one. The, the, the second one is, of course, the, the flesh... Uh, uh, completely getting more specific when the first one's more about the world and, and the things the world said, okay, because what happened in the world? You can absolutely take your servant. You can absolutely impregnate her. You can absolutely make her a second wife if you want to. And the child would even want to be illegitimate. But God said, no, I, no, no, that's not what we're doing. So we, 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 we go to God all the time and say, I, I'm in this situation because the world said it was okay. I mean, I, I cheated on my taxes. So what? I mean, there's all kinds of people who do that. Yeah, but you, but I told you not to do that. Here, I mean, 
you know, no-fault divorce, have sex with whoever you want to, uh, have sex with any gender you want to. Uh, you can pretend, you can say you're a male, you can say you're a female. The world's perfectly fine with that, God. But he says, yeah, but I'm not. So that's one of our problems. The next one is that flesh, that sinful desires. It, that just that that flesh, we it, it's always sitting there trying to cause us trouble. And I'm telling you, when Abraham heard from his wife that he had a green light to sleep with this Egyptian uh, girl in their house, you know what he said? Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. I'm 84 years old, and 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 you're old too. But Hagar ain't. And uh, and if you say that's okay, I'm in. That wasn't nothing but flesh. Is all that was. And then the other one is what? The devil himself. James says, when we get ourselves in trouble, and the battle that rages inside us is the battle to be like the world, to give into our flesh, and to leave the authority of the Lord and get into the authority of the devil. He says it's either one of these three or it's all three of them in play. And this is what we have been delivered from through redemption in Christ. We've been delivered from the world. We've been delivered from the, the, the authority of the flesh, and we have been completely removed from the authority of the devil. But then what do we do? We walk our way back as free people. Remember us talking about that? So, But look what happens here. Even Hagar herself, according to the angel of the Lord, has to submit to God. First time in Scripture that we see angel of the Lord, Jesus, and then here's what the angel of the Lord said, and don't miss this. First of all, did the angel of the Lord call her Abram's wife? He sure doesn't. He's not acknowledging this. He's saying, no, you're still Sarah's servant. You are not Abram's wife. I reject that. That, that is incorrect. So the other thing he says, you need to go back to Sarah. And you do not need to continue, because guess where Hagar was headed back to? Egypt. That's where she was fleeing to. He said, you turn around and you go back. You're not going to Egypt. And you're going to go back, and you're going to submit to the authority of Sari, and you're going to submit to the authority of the Lord. And then he, 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 he's going to talk about this when he says uh, in verse uh, 11 and 12, look at this. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant, and you shall bear a son. So he clarifies, it is a boy. Okay. You shall call his name Ishmael, and of course that means God hears because the Lord has listened to your affliction. Now here comes the problem, the earthly repercussions, when we decide to do what we want to do, not what the Lord said to do, even though he forgives us. Twelve, he shall be a wild donkey of a man. Read the King James Version, and it gets a little more graphic. Uh, his, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over and against all his kinsmen. 13, so she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are a God of seeing, for she said, truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called, and I, I can't pronounce it, I'll tell you what it means, but it lies between Kadesh and Bered, the, the actual name uh, of, uh, of the well uh, is um, uh, where is it at? Right? Now? Oh, it means the one who lives and sees me. That's what that name that I can't pronounce there. Uh, the name of that well. So, so the angel of the Lord is talking to Hagar. He tells her, "You're not Abram's wife. 
You need to go back and submit to, to the authority of, of, of Sari. You need to not continue on your way to Egypt. You are pregnant with a son. It will not be Abram's heir uh, in the blessing of the covenant. That's not who he is. But since he is Abram's son, he will receive some blessings. And, of course, we know that Ishmael, this is the lineage of, of the Arab people. They all flow from him. And we have seen that the Arab people in general, this doesn't apply to every Arab person. I'm just talking about the, uh, the ethnicity and the different tribes that come from this. They have waged war against the Jewish people, which come from Isaac, and they have waged war on just about everybody. And they have been, in general, a nomadic bunch uh, that goes from one conflict to another. Uh, and that continues to this day. Uh, again, that's a general statement. I'm not talking about all individual Arab people, but I'm saying that this uh, prophetic word from the angel of the Lord continues to many degrees to this day right now, all, all on this one decision. And this was something that was foretold by God. And then she goes on to say something interesting. You are a God of seeing, for she said, truly, I have seen him who looks after me. So Hagar has gotten involved in a situation that God never wanted her to be in. Abram and Sari have drugged her into this situation. She has been mistreated, but then she also has mistreated Sari. Everybody's out of control. But Hagar says she has encountered a God who hears her, and you know what you're hearing no matter what the situation is, and I think somebody needs to hear this today. Hagar says, I have met a God that cares about pregnant women who've been mistreated by men and who cares about children, no matter what situation they may have been produced in. Now, is this the part of the covenant that God had planned out? No, it isn't. And um, so ultimately we see at the end, 15, and Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael, as the angel of the Lord said that he would. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael, to Abram. So he's 86. Now we're going to we're going to eventually get to Isaac, but he don't come around for a while. And you know what God's about to tell Sarah and Abram? Keep waiting. It's still going to be a while. We're going to go all the way to 99 before I do this with Abram. So ultimately, Sarah and Abram had to submit to God. Let me tell you the one thing that we see to the men in the room, and, and ladies, I know some of you pay attention to this, and you do join us, and that's fine, especially when we're just going through books of the Bible. But you know at the foundation here, it started as a men's Bible study, and that's kind of what it is at its root, even though we can all benefit from this, male or female. But I do want you women to, to be watching this if you're married or plan to be married. Let me tell you what I don't want you to seek. Don't seek a passive man. Now, certainly you want a man who loves you and that is gentle 
and is never harsh with you, that's not what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about being passive is a man who won't lead, a man who won't stand up and say, even though today is going to be a bad day for me, I'm going to do what's right because I would rather be at odds with you, my wife, if we're wrong right now than I would to be at odds with God. And, and this is an act of me truly loving you because I'm protecting you and me from the displeasure of being out of line with God. You, you, you know one thing that I love about when you get into that, uh, to the New Testament and to, and to the, the, book of, um, the book of Acts on? You know what you don't see much anymore? Passive men. They, 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 they really, and I hate that we're drifting back to that because there are a lot of passive men now. But you, you almost saw them come alive when they received the Holy Spirit, and they went from being these cowardly men who abandoned Jesus, who ran, who protected themselves, who lied and schemed, and they didn't want difficulty, to when they received the Holy Spirit, that, that, that passivity was gone, and, and they became emboldened of standing up under the authority of Christ, no matter what it brought them. And you you just don't see men when they're right with God. I'm not talking about you don't see them because they're all throughout Scripture and they're all throughout our society, and I've certainly been one. But when a man is truly under the authority of Christ, you know what you don't see? You don't see him being passive. The Lord does not make passive men. He makes humble men. But don't ever confuse humility with, with passivity. It's not the same thing. Humility, the kind that uh, in meekness that Scripture talks about, is strength under control. It doesn't mean to lack strength. It doesn't mean to be passive. It means that you know how to delve out your strength correctly, not sinfully. So he was passive here, and, and, through, and, and through this process, it, 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 cost, it caused a lot of problems. But eventually, like we all need to do, and some of us need to do it today, right now, Abram and Sari had to own up to their mistake. They had to call it. They, they, they had to take responsibility for what they did. And that's what we all need to do, right? What did Thomas Watson say? I, I literally love this statement so much. Steve Farrar was the first one that, that I heard him talk about Thomas Watson saying this. I've actually went into uh, the dry erasable board in my office, and I have written it at the top, big and bold. Repentance, true repentance, is the vomiting of the soul. I'm not justifying anything. I'm vomiting it all. I'm removing anything from my life that is not right with God. I don't, have, I don't have any high places where I don't go dock the idols down. I don't have any rooms that are locked. I repent of all of it. And I repent in a way that I really hate that I'm wrong and that I wasn't right with God. I don't justify it. I don't coddle it. And maybe that needs to take place. It's, it's time to stop justifying sin in our lives. It's time to stop taking it so casual when God has told us how he wants things done and what he has ordained 
and we keep scoffing at him as if it's no big deal to do what we want to do. It's a really big deal. It's a really big deal to to take a detour out of God's plan. Trust me, I paid the price for that. I love redemption, and I'm so thankful for it. But 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 when when we decide to do things our way, there are some there's some damage that 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 that's done from that that on this side of heaven can't be undone. I mean, think about that. When God says that you should never take innocent life, but you did. On this side of heaven, you can't undo that. Whatever damage was done by that stays. Now, now the sin can be redeemed if you truly repent. But um, some of these things that we do that God said not to do, I, I just want to save a lot of you younger people some problems. God's right. Just, man, learn that. Learn that as soon as you possibly can. God's right. He's not a killjoy. He's a loving father who is trying to say, this is the best way. My way is always the best. may not be easy, but it will be joyful. To be right with God, no matter what happens, is always right. If we do things the way God said to do them, no matter what the outcome may be, the way the earth may see it, it's impossible to be wrong. Don't take detours. Stay inside his plan. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this, um, this lesson. And I, I'm, I'm just sitting here assessing myself and thinking of the things in my life uh, that I wish I had done differently. I sure am thankful for your redemption. And, uh, and I never want to minimize your grace. But just as the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 6, I also want to be real careful that I don't abuse your grace. I don't minimize it, but I don't abuse it either. Lord, there's people right now, I hope, that are saying, all right, today's the day that I repent of whatever. Fill in the blank. I repent of this sin. I turn from it. I leave this, and I turn to you, and I ask for you to forgive me. Maybe you need to do that in the room, watching, listening, whatever the case may be. Just right now, just sincerity of your heart, say, I repent of whatever it is. You know, you may be sitting here, even coming in here today, and you're saying, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape with God. I, I think I'm redeemed, and, and I think I'm all right. And then today, through this message, you know, God and his Holy Spirit reached into your heart and, and pierced it and said, no, you know there's, there's this between us that's not right. You know that. And today's the day you stop justifying it. And you just called it what it is, sin. I've, I've never had anything change in my life that was wrong that I wouldn't call sin. So, Lord, forgive me for where any, any area in my life, Lord, that I'm not completely under your authority. And I pray, Lord, that you that now I, 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 every door in my life is open. I have nothing closed off. Every idol, even in the highest places I've gone and I, I removed today, I crushed them because there, there's nothing that should be before you in my life. And today's the day that I ask for you to forgive me, and I turn from my sin, and I submit to your authority, and I leave my own authority. I leave my plan, and I'm coming under your plan. 
you know, if, you, if, if you've made that some kind of decision like that today and you want to talk about it, you can reach out to me, rick at burgessministries.com. I'll talk to you. I'll help you any way I can. Guys in the room, same situation. Lord, thank you for the message today. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being with us.